Playback. Welcome back to Q Playback. Uh, my guest today is Isabella from Belladia. Uh, thanks so much for coming in, Bella. No worries. Thanks for having me. Uh, so what year was it that we first met? I was just trying to work it out. Was it 2018 or 2019? It was 2019. Yep. Yes. And I'd popped down to one of my favourite bars to see a friend play. Uh, I think it was Anna Cordell. That, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, and we just started having a chat. So I'm, uh, I'm trying to remember what we chatted about on that first night. Can can you re- uh, refresh my memory scene, at all? Shall we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think it was some yeah some velvet morning. Yeah. And which I re- uh, at the time was known as sort of a, a muso's bar. Yeah. Um, it people was. love playing there, and people sort of like having the the industry talk afterwards and stuff. So, it, yeah. it, it's it's a very small little intimate space. That's really. Right, yeah. yeah. I specifically remember wanting to go out that night and being excited with another mate to just go see some live music because mm. I only had just moved to Melbourne, I think. Yep. And I was like, let's go out to this place. And then I remember you sitting on the far left side and there wasn't, like, there was a few people there, but mm. I think I just wanted to talk to everyone. Yeah. So I was like, hi, what's your name? Like, <laughs> which is not usually what I'm like, but I was just so excited for being mm. in Melbourne. And yeah. And then I remember asking you, yeah, what are you doing? And and you said you're a musician, and straight away, straight away, I was like, "Oh yeah, great! What are you doing? What, what sort of music do you play?" And then you're like, "I'm going to Canada. It's just exciting." <laughs> yes, that must have been just before I toured again. I think. Yes, yeah. it must have been. Yeah. Mm. Which um, I, I'm not sure when it will happen again in this post-COVID world, but mm. um, you know, fingers crossed, some point. Cross them. Yeah. May as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and so we got talking about um, your musical background and. Um, I mean, one of the things that we ended up doing was um, an educational video on how to mic up a piano for recording. That's right. And um, I'm like, oh, I'm not a competent enough piano player to really go through the range of sound that you need to, to demonstrate it. So um, I'd remember that you're a, a pianist and had you come in. Um, I think that video is notched up three and a half thousand views or something now, actually? something like that. Um, probably more than most of my songs on YouTube. <laughs> so, so thanks for that. Well, that's okay. I was actually practicing quite a lot that year. So I'm glad you asked me that year. I can't even remember what I played now. Yeah. I'll have to rewatch it. Um, so was that where your um, interest or your journey with music came in on piano or the other instruments before? And... Oh, we were literally talking about this last night at band practice. Okay. We were saying yeah. what was everyone's first instrument. My first instrument was the violin. Wow. Yeah. At five. Gee. And my mum was somebody who was quite strict with, you know, a schedule and mm-hmm. committing yourself to something and yep. you persevere. And I just remember holding the bow and it not feeling great in my hand. Mm. And I remember I used to do calisthenics as well yep. and holding that rod or whatever they call it, the bar, mm-hmm. I would throw it on the ground and that's what I sort of felt like with this violin. I'm like, what's with this bow? It's in my hand. It feels strange. I couldn't get good notes out of this thing mm. and the teacher really frustrated with me. Mm. So I was like, no, Mum, I don't want to do violin. It's too hard. And so she's like, well, you're doing piano then. So, but, you know, I used to write on my piano books, I hate piano, <laughs> even though I liked it. I secretly just wrote all over the books, but no. I, I do owe my mum a lot of credit. Like she, mm. a lot of, like, even with students that I teach, yep. like it is hard to stick at something. Mm. 
if you don't have someone actually pushing you a little bit, mm. it's pretty easy to give up on a lot of stuff. Like, I f- really think that without mum pushing me a little bit, and mm. I, I really find this a bit tricky because you should encourage your children to do things. And I'm not a mother, so I can't really talk. Sure. But, <laughs> you know, I think if it wasn't for mum, I don't think I'd be sitting here. So, right. you know. Yep. Just putting in that stick to something and see it through, mm. which I've kind of, you know, done with other things in my life. So, And was yeah. she musical herself? Well, the thing about my mum is that she, I think she, she was not given the same opportunity. So there was mm. a piano in the house and I think her brother had lessons. Right. And she wasn't yeah. offered the same opportunity whether, for whatever reason. So, and then the piano got sold. So wow. she never had the opportunity to play. And yep. I think that's what... Um, she did. She ended up playing guitar and sang at church and mm. all that stuff. And and she, you know she could sing. And uh, dad pretends to play, but you know he he likes to <laughs> make up songs on the car just by strumming one one chord. It's yeah. quite funny, but yeah, uh, I think I get it from mum really. Mm. Yeah. So thanks, mum. <laughs> and so you stuck with it. Um, and was it always piano from that point on? Pretty much. Yeah. I, I really when I was about uh, maybe twenty, I started getting proper guitar lessons mm-hmm. and sought out some lessons and had a few different teachers and tried to keep going. But it is so much easier when you're a kid. Like I really regret not doing more instruments. Mm. Uh, but I started singing when I was about maybe 12, 13, 14. Okay. Got lessons from a few different teachers and I would keep straining my voice. So mm. I'd be singing and, you know, started to write my own music. But my voice kept blowing out and mum's like, nah, that's not good. You need to get some <laughs> lessons. So yeah, I think lessons are good, but there's a lot of self-taught musicians too. I'm kind of jealous of them that they can figure it out, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh, maybe the plasticity of the brain when you're younger. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I certainly regret not having taken some of um, I don't know, the learning a little bit seriously, more seriously when I was younger. Mm. Um, and I often say that I'm a bit more of a hack producer, so I I learn a part long enough to get it down for a song, uh, get it recorded for a song, and then almost instantly forget what I've done. So <laughs> It's crazy how quickly your brain does forget stuff, yeah. though. But I think, like, that elasticity of the brain, like, because I teach languages as well. Oh, wow. And okay. so I always remind my students, hey, guys, I didn't grow up speaking this language. Mm. I've studied it. Yeah. So you can get good at things if you put time into mm-hmm. it, <laughs> but they don't get that they can learn much more when you're younger. Mm. And so starting um, on piano, what were some of the artists that inspired you when you were young to um, pursue more of a career in music? Well, I suppose back in the, let's say, early 2000s, there was that really big female piano player, singer-songwriter, mm-hmm. Australiana sort of stuff. Yep. So. Obviously, I feel like I, I am. I do regret not. I was very into the commercial music, mm-hmm. and I kind of regret that now that I didn't explore more when I was younger. You know, my parents would be listening to ABBA or like some foreign language CD, so <laughs> <laughs> some Italian artists. So, uh, yeah. Look, I grew up listening to. Like, I really loved Missy Higgins, obviously, yep. and Delta Goodrum, and mm. tried to learn all her songs and. Yeah, just seeing a female playing the piano and it being recognised and that was probably actually very, very positive. Yeah, I mean, even though you're a little bit dismissive of all that pop style that you're talking about, <laughs> um, 
sometimes putting things in context and uh, realizing that, that you, you need role models. Mm. Um, you know, I'm I'm not a massive Taylor Swift fan, mm. but um, I certainly recognize the ongoing role that uh, she is having in the music industry, taking back the rights to her own masters, mm. re-recording her own music, um, and and being a role model. Um, I, not all music has to be for all people, but um, having representation is definitely important. So. You can't be what you can't see. That's as the they one. say. Yep. Yes, I agree. I agree with you there. Um, so, what was the what, what first uh, drew you into recording? And was that something you tried yourself, or uh, did you go into a studio? That's a great um, question. Mm. In at my school in year ten, we had to do a project called a personal project, okay. and it was um, my friend who I grew up with, she studied classical piano and she had made a uh, instrumental CD the year before with her hmm. music teacher. And we'd been writing songs together and playing since we were probably, yeah, about 12. Hmm. And she said, you need to record your songs and make a EP. And I was like, really? So I, th I actually think that was the first recording I did with, with Ben. Mm. Um, he's a guitar teacher down in Geelong. And that that was a good process because it was write the song, let's go record it at his little home studio. And then I started selling the CDs out of my locker at school. Fantastic. That was probably my first recording experience. But I mm. think after that, it was like winning some competitions down mm. in Torquay and yeah. going to the local school and recording a demo here and there. But after that, uh, I think my first proper studio recording was when I won the Queenscliff Music Festival mm. scholarship was the first one that they had. Um, and then we recorded up here in Melbourne at the base in South Melbourne. Yep. That was probably the first professional studio. That Actually, that's not true. I did another one before that at, uh, do you remember the Push Freezer? I do, yeah. Uh, there was a mentoring program that I did back in the day. Mm -hmm. And we recorded, I can't remember the name of the studio, that was actually the first real mm. studio. Uh, and I got a whole band together to do one song. Yeah, gosh, it's it's funny what you forget <laughs> of what you've done. Shout out to the bass. Uh, I've done a project with him. Yes, good studio. Um, Feels great. So let's talk geography just for a little while yeah. um, and growing up. So um, for those that might not know uh, who are listening in, um, Geelong is about an hour's drive out of Melbourne. Uh, so Melbourne's often referred to as the live music capital of the world. I don't know if that's true, but there are certainly a lot of um, bands and live music venues. Um, Geelong, I'm not sure how you categorise Geelong in the live music. <laughs> oh, look, scene. it's it's tricky. Like it got called Detroit because of Ford Factory. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Geelong City are trying to do a lot of great stuff. It's just mm -hmm. we lost a lot of venues. Um, there was a really good metal scene, yep. you know, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, to be honest with you, the thing that I liked growing up down there is all the outdoor festivals and all the mm. stuff down on the surf coast. Or, yep. um, that's kind of like where I got a lot of performance opportunities, like mm. down at Aries Inlet, at the Open Mic Festival, yep. um, obviously Queenscliff Music Festival. Uh, you know, there was some things like performing streets are alive like there's always initiatives down there mm. and when I did move to Melbourne I noticed uh, a lot of younger people that I was meeting 
they hadn't have, they hadn't had a lot of live performance experience when they were young. Yeah. So that's yeah. really where I got a lot of practice was playing very small outdoor festival type of performances. Mm, yeah. uh, and Beeves Bar used to be really quite pumping with original music. It's not okay. so much now, but yeah, we've had like we've had things come and go, mm. but it's really the outdoor community stuff that I think is what any regional town can probably offer a bit more yeah. than what Melbourne can because, yeah, you might not be able to get into a venue, but there's community initiatives. That's right, yeah. And I think um, like it's really important to have that community, especially when you're sort of out of the, the bigger city. The, Melbourne can be fantastic, but it can also be a little bit cutthroat. Mm. And um, you know, as the saying goes, it's not uh, what you know, it's who you know. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, so you're going to have one booker um, not dig what you're doing and that might, you know, uh, mean that there's quite a few venues that you won't be able to get a foot mm. in the door. Um, whereas with community, you know, everyone's trying to help each other out um, mm. and, uh, yeah, promote each other. Um, it's a good way to meet people. Yeah. I, I have a classic memory of Geelong um, from when I was or probably in my very early 20s that... Um, uh, I had a friend that lived down that way and um, we'd gone out to a nightclub that was in a church there. Oh, yeah, the Lyric that was called. The Lyric, yep. yep. So we're walking from uh, somewhere else towards the Lyric and <laughs> um, we see these two guys like out the front because there was this lawn area out the front. Okay. And um, we're like, oh, cool, they're doing like a, a martial arts demonstration. This is pretty impressive. We got a bit closer and a bit closer, and it was just two guys having a kickboxing <laughs> fight <laughs> in the middle oh, of Geelong. Oh, that doesn't surprise <laughs> me at all. Yeah, um, that's funny. Um, so your most recent singles, um, Bloom and then Care Too Much, um, I've got to say, um, as someone who's impressed already with your abilities, um, they sound amazing. Um so you should be very happy and proud with um, those achievements, I think. Um, your voice on Care Too Much, I think it's the best I've heard it. Um, were you happy with how it all came out after all those years of singing lessons? <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much. Uh, really, for me, like listening back to the two previous EPs I put mm. out under another name, yep. I could just... It, <sighs> I obviously don't listen to them very much at all, mm. or ever. But when, since these songs have come out, I've kind of gone back only because it's popped up on my profile. And I'm like, oh, I just want to have a little listen to the old stuff. Mm. And I can hear how juvenile that voice is. And uh, I, am, I enjoy so much playing live now because of that ability, the, the, the power that I have live. Yeah. That just gives me so much joy and so much energy. Um, I, I am really proud of how how much all the all the all the work leading up to that mm. for it to come out like it had like I pretty much committed that whole year when I recorded it like this is my music year this is where I go and yeah. commit to my craft and I'd been working with a few different singing teachers that year and uh, I remember taking the week off study music study to go and record I was mm. like sorry I'm not gonna be here next week I'm <laughs> recording and just being I was ready I was ready mm. to record and I'm glad that that got captured yeah so yeah uh, 
It's a long journey. And, and even though you'd say, you know, those other recordings sound juvenile, like um, I, I think at some point you have to get to a place of peace with the development stage. Oh, totally. Um, like for me, the, the classic is, you know, my parents, uh, when I was a teenager, I would just sit in my bedroom with guitar effects and a four track and I'd just be twiddling knobs and making sounds and, you know, learning how sounds worked. And, you know, my parents were probably horrified. <laughs> they were probably thinking, what the hell is going to happen with this kid? Uh, and then That's I, not the worst thing you could have been doing <laughs> in the room, by the way. <laughs> that, that, that is true. That is completely true. <laughs> um, and obviously then I grew up and I spent half my life um, making money twiddling knobs exactly. in dark rooms. <laughs> Look how it turned out for you. Um, That's perfect. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's okay to to go through the awkward stages and, and totally. find your voice. Um, and, yeah, I was certainly struck by the difference and, and the power um, of your voice on the new tracks. Um, it has been a, an exciting time. Um, so m- most recently uh, you were on uh, Triple J's Home and Hosed, which yes. is a big deal if, if uh, people aren't aware of um, the actual radio services in Australia, Triple J is the, the youth network uh, and it can be quite competitive to get noticed um, on a national broadcaster. Mm. Um, but aside from that, you're also a finalist in the APRA Vander and Young songwriting competition. Um, so this is this has been a, a big year for, for wins for Balladier. Oh, to be honest, the Triple J uh, play was completely a surprise i mm. i i suppose any artist who's uploaded to unearth before it's it's um you know it used to be like a chart system where you'd upload your song and it would come up in the charts mm, and if you yep. had more people reviewing your track it would go up and up and up on a chart yep, that's it and yep. i used to do community radio mm. and that's where I used to get my songs for my Australian show. Hmm. Like, what's in the top 20 at the moment? Uh, I really like that they've gotten rid of that because music's not a competition. Yeah, yeah. It never has been. It never will be, but it is. Like, mm. the industry feels so competitive. Yeah. There's less opportunities. Some people may say that's not true, but it feels like that compared mm. to how much stuff that was out there, say, 10 years ago. Mm. Um that was, I suppose, to be played on that is just, it's a bit of a nod. It's a bit of a, I just want to say thank you. Like, thanks to Ash McGregor for actually playing it because mm. it means that, to me, they actually are listening to the songs. That's it. Yeah. And they actually are playing music that's ready to be played. And, and I think that's a good point as well. Like, we often overlook community radio or, um, you know, smaller broadcasters casters, uh, online. But often they're the people that have actually taken the time to listen, resonated with it, and then said, I'm going to put this out there. I'm going to mm. share this with other people because it's important to me to share it. Um, community radio in that sense is, I find, where you get the longer-lasting, mm. ongoing relationships. Yeah. And even if that is... Uh, when I was a broadcaster and I found a piece of music that I really liked, I would follow that artist. If you know, so if you did an interview with them or whatnot, yeah, you follow their journey. And uh, I'll give you an example. Recently, uh, I found someone who was doing some community-based stuff. They were posting a lot of, um, you know, 
supporting Australian music in the local industry and pushing... Well, uh, yeah, he's pushing um, Made in Australia, basically. Mm. Like, we need to support um, the content because I think it's only still 25% that broadcasters actually only need to play. Is it still 25%? Um, <clears throat> it might be it's, even less. It's less um, now. And to put that in context, most commercial stations will shunt all of their um, required Australian content to two or three in the morning. That's right, the yeah. graveyard sessions. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I just... He was very vocal about Let's Play Australian content and he just came up in my reels, I think, mm. um, a couple of months ago. So I reached out to him and I said... Because uh, I think from Bendigo, yeah. Okay. His, his, yep. his, um, his show, his own community radio in Bendigo, his, um, yep. the Trove show, his, his Brett's show. And I just liked that he was really passionate. And mm. so I, th I didn't know him. I just thought I'll just send him a message and see... Um, if he's interested in spinning the new track, and and we had we did an interview a few weeks ago, but we we spoke beforehand for like about half an hour, mm. kind of what we're talking about now, and it was just nice. And you know, he reached out to me. He's like, I'm actually coming to your gig in Heathcote, oh, so I was like, that's great. Like, it's a real connection. Um, that they mean more to me those real connections yeah, than yeah. just some ran random station playing it, which is still exciting. But <laughs> I'd rather know the human behind the behind the microphone. Yeah, I, I really like to know who people are. And yeah. Uh, and so tell us a little bit about your broadcasting then. Well, that's an interesting one, actually, mm. because again, back to the Pulse. Uh, sorry, that, the Pulse is the radio station in Geelong, in Geelong. where yep. I did my mm. training. But the reason I got onto that, and you might know her, Sarah DeBore used to be um, part of Freezer and the mentoring program. And we did a weekend away as part of that mentoring project. Um, which was funnily enough down in Queenscliff. And we were talking one day about what other things you can be involved in, mm -hmm. in the industry. And Sarah was like, hey, Izzy, did you know that there's this community radio in Geelong? I was like, no, I didn't. And I ended up just like from Sarah's recommendation, I went into the station and I went to talk to the manager and yeah. like, I really surprised myself of what I've done in the past. Just, <laughs> if I want something, I'll just go and get it. Um, yeah. And then they were offering, you know, the, uh, the course to do it because mm. you know there's all um i've recently found out the colac station has no staff like zero it's all run all by volunteers all volunteers yep. whereas the pulse had always had staff mm. as well so yeah they gave me that opportunity and uh i got to interview some from doing the show and the training i got to interview some of my favorite artists so i was and i used to get tickets to shows so mm. it was like yeah i get to go review this show i got a ticket yeah. but it was great like i community supporting community Again, absolutely. And I, I used to teach year 11 media studies, so I'd take my class there oh, and then wow. they all yep. got into it. And a few girls went and one of the girls ended up, she's now on commercial radio. So okay. just little, little wins here and there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's easy for this generation of kids to think everything's on your phone where it's like, go and meet some real yeah. people, go yeah. and have an experience, which they're willing to do. So it's great. Um, so going back to uh, being a finalist for the Vander and Young um, songwriting competition, how would you describe your writing process? Do you have a process or is it uh, just random chaotic? That's or? a, yeah. Uh, I think it's sort of changed over the years, but mostly I will play and sing at the same time mm. and do the lyrics and the melody over the... the um, my progression and 
you know, either come up with a lick or something then and there or add the lick later. Mm. Uh, I used to think, I used to do it a little bit differently, I think. Like I'd write lyrics first and then try and put something to it. Mm. But I find it easier just to do it all together. Mm. And I think yep. I've done that for a while now where I'll just be like playing, singing together all at the same time. So mm. it sort of just goes, blah, this out there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and which song was nominated for Fandra and uh, It was Care Too Much. Excellent. Yeah, so put that one in. Again, I uh, wasn't expecting anything, to be honest. So getting these getting these little um, not saying unfortunately in the tagline of the email, that they've been really exciting. I, I was more excited on who else was on the list, you know. Okay, well, so who were some of the people that you are excited to um, see? I just saw, like, DMAs were on there, uh, Urimal was on there, mm. uh, Gang of Youths, yep. uh, just, like, a lot of artists that I really admire. And I was like, my song is on the list with them. Like, that, to me, was a, that was more exciting yeah. than the actual, yeah. Being recognised with peers, future peers. Oh, I'd hope yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, it's exciting. Uh, mm. Yeah, validating. Yeah, it makes you want to just keep going. Mm. Just little, little wins. Because when you've got... Yeah, when there's not been much recognition, it's it's hard to keep going, as oh, any artist would absolutely. know. So yeah. it's just helping with the momentum and validation and makes me want to help other people too, yeah. to, to not give up. I think there was a quote that I saw recently, is, and I, I'm not good with memorising quotes <laughs> exactly. I can do lyrics, but not quotes. Um, people that give up never... Like, people who give up, they never realise how far they were to actually yeah, succeeding. Yeah. I'm not sure who said it, yeah. sorry. And that's not even the right quote, but it just made me go, if I'd just given up, like, even if I hadn't released this song or entered yeah. it in the competition or done that gig or whatever, yeah. it wouldn't have happened. I was that close. Yeah. And, and, yeah, a lot of people would give up, I think. And, and I mean, everyone's had like you know, big gigs and then you've had the ones where it's like what the hell am I doing with my life um <laughs> you know and I've played um some velvet morning um quite a few times over the years um but one night it was a winter night it was mm -hmm. raining mm -hmm. um the footy was, was on possibly <laughs> <laughs> and there was probably like six people in the bar yeah and Two of them were just museo mates, and so they just got up on stage with me, and we just jammed Aww. on the whole set. Oh, that's nice! Which, which was great fun, but it was also like, oh, I wish you know some yeah. people I didn't know. <laughs> I call those glorified rehearsals. Those gigs, they are. It's just like a public rehearsal. Yeah. It can be so. It's such a downer, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so in that vein, um, have you had moments of crisis where you've had to innovate in a um, like in a snap? second uh at to save a gig or uh, cool. uh do you mean yeah the crisis things happening on stage yeah or, or like um off stage <clears throat> gear, <laughs> gear breaking or oh one of the things that sticks out in my mind like a sore thumb is uh back in aries inlet probably 2011 can't even remember maybe even 2010 I had all those demo CDs that I was talking about. Mm. I can't remember. I was pretty young. I must have been 18 or something. Yeah. And I had a friend come with me and we had all my demo CDs in my handbag. I was like, okay, you're in charge of those <laughs> and we're going to go to the gig and I'm going to drive my really old car that hardly works. Let's go. <laughs> so we get down to um, Anglesey. And we, so it's about 45-minute drive? Oh, yeah. From the centre of Geelong, it's about 40 minutes. 40 or, minutes. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, a bit less perhaps. Yep. It's always hard because I'm on the other side of Geelong. Right. Yeah. So um, anyway, we get there and usually I'd have like, at that point I would have had my parents helping me mm. or my younger sibling or whatever and uh, I get there and I had a really heavy Roland bad boy keyboard like it was okay. a big chunky boy yep. and uh, I remember getting there and it was summer so this this was a it was a really lovely cafe and I can't even it must have been I think it was another open mic festival where you, you just had performers in venues yep. and I went in and I said to Emily my friend did you pack did you put the keyboard stand in here? Oh, no. And I know that doesn't seem like a big deal, but when you're 18 and there's a lot of people there and you yeah. don't have a piece of equipment, like, that's where you mm. start sweating. And I just remember going, how, like, this thing's so heavy, what are we going to do? And mm. obviously we used a table, yeah. but it does not look good aesthetically <laughs> or good for your knees or anything. Yeah. But I just remember, like, this is one of my core favourite memories where it, it didn't matter. Like I still played mm. and I remember my friend in the corner and this doesn't, this doesn't happen these days because people don't really want hard copy stuff like CDs mm. or whatnot. And I remember her, my handbag was just like overflowing with money and these people like, give me oh, a wow. CD, give me a CD. And, and nice. she gave me back my handbag. It was just full of money and there were no CDs left. Fantastic. Like that's a cool memory. I'm like, yeah, it didn't yeah. matter about the keyboard stand. <laughs> it's about the music, man. Yeah. yeah. So... It wasn't even that bad of a crisis, was yeah, it? Yeah, that's a brilliant <laughs> turnaround. Um, yeah, I remember a similar one uh, being booked for a, a smaller venue about an hour out of Melbourne, and um, when we got there, um, they'd... I don't know if it was because of the weather or whatever, but um, rather than having the outdoor stage, they'd um, put us inside this cafe, oh. and it was a five-piece... We're a five-piece rock band. Oh, in a cafe. <laughs> yeah, in a cafe. Oh. So, so we had to obviously, like, pair everything back um, and the drummer had to use um, a floor... A pair of chops. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, a, a floor tom as the, as the kick drum. And, oh. <laughs> and so, so it eventually worked, but, um, yeah, it's a similar kind of thing, like, okay, what the hell are we meant to do now? <laughs> so, did you have people watching you there? We did, yeah. Good. We did have... Um, yeah, that, that was... It, Turned out to be a, a decent gig, and you know, lots of people around. Um, we'd been up up there a couple. Well, I'd played up there a, a couple of times. Um, yeah, but once again, one of those turnarounds where you're sweating at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, and... just like how are we going to pull this off? It's not yeah. going to work well. I think that's that's the scariest part because when you don't feel comfortable, you're not playing your best. Yeah, I was just going to say it's the headspace, isn't it? It's like Absolutely. If you're suddenly thinking, you know, like is this guitar lead gonna crackle the whole gig yeah where's my adapter for exactly. my effects and... you can't be thinking those extra things <clears throat> yeah. when you're concentrating on playing an instrument well i'm sure one day bella you're gonna have a whole road crew that will just set <laughs> everything up for you and you can walk uh... out of a limo straight on the oh stage. my goodness well i have to give credit to my partner because uh we played i played Pally hepburn a couple of weeks ago yep and it was just really nice. Like he's he's been with me the whole way, and mm. I got to the gig, and he's like, "I'm going to go set up your keyboard," Aww. and I'm like, "I'm going to the bathroom." Like champion. he's a champion. He's a, bless his cotton socks. <laughs> he's a legend. So the, like, I'm happy to help you, but one day I hope someone's doing this for me. Like I really <laughs> hope so, so I can repay you, or I need to start setting up his base. I think <laughs> <laughs> need to pay it back. Need to pay it forward. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we we definitely will give um the two singles a bit of a plug. Um, but what do you think are the important things you've learned from way back when you first started um, through to where you are now? What's the, 
what's something that's um, stuck out to you as, um, you know, I guess a guiding star along the way? Because you, you were quite young when you just thought, stuff it, I'm going to start selling some CDs and walk into a radio station. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I think at the end of the day, someone said to me, I'm glad that your songs are, you're not writing, f you know, it's completely different if you're writing for TV or radio, which, you know, mm. um, they get briefs or, yep. I mean, this group called Ghost Writers. No one's, I don't think we've been, that group's been very active lately, but <laughs> the concept of writing for briefs, like, yep. I think when you're a songwriter, you're not writing for anything particularly, you're writing about stories or relationships or mm life and what's going on in the world at, the, at that current time. And I think for me, uh, just keeping authentic to what a song is, what a story is. And mm. I had a lot of trouble when I was a bit younger to try and tell a story really well. And I used to be like, if lyrics are too vague, this doesn't really yeah. make sense. Like, why are you repeating that line? And I really struggled through that. So I think I've gotten a lot better at storytelling in like a proper mm. logical order. Yep. And I think that's kind of come naturally because it, was, it wasn't that great, like listening back to some <laughs> of those songs. But uh, I think stick to your style and stick to your authenticity, your mm. authentic self, as people say, because <laughs> no one can be you. Mm. And, yep. and I really don't like this whole... Like I read a post just the other day. It's like there's so much pressure on artists to put out a reel, put out content. What content yep. are you doing? It takes away all the joy. Like mm -hmm. do music for you. Yep. There's no one else that you need to really be yeah. doing it for. It needs to fulfill you. It needs to fill your cup up. 100%. Yeah. Yep. So, but in terms of everything else, I don't think anyone knows what they're doing really. Mm -hmm. And everyone's just looking for the next Thing that's going to make them money, for example. That's not really what it should be about. Yeah. And, and do you find that a difficult balance? I do, especially with uh, working and having to be two different people all the time mm, yep. and being a professional, you know, being paid to do a job, I've signed a contract, but this is actually me as well. Mm. And, you know, playing two different roles is... Mm. It's still me, but it's it's switching your brain all the time yep. and it's really tiring. I think I've been burnt out this last week and it's it's really, and for anyone, like some people work three jobs just mm. to make ends meet. Yep. Like I know how lucky I am, in, um, but at the same time I've worked hard for where I need to be mm. or where I am, but I still realise that I'm very privileged and uh, some people will never get to you know, have what I've got. And so I've got to really appreciate that. But it it still means you've got to work really hard to stay where you are too. Yeah. And I'll just sort of mean more like financially or yep. um, whatnot. So it's very much a double-edged sword, isn't it? And, and I think for people like yourself that can recognise that privileged space, it, it still keeps your heart open to new ideas and your own fallibility and um i guess being in a place of risk and as a songwriter that leads to a lot of the the interesting discussions mm. um if you've already made it and you're already famous i mean maybe you can get a career in rap but um, <laughs> but the intimacy of songwriting um 
you know, if you've already decided you've made it and, um, you know, what is there left to discover? Mm. Um, uh, and so the writing on Care Too Much, is there much of a story behind this one? Are we allowed to ask the hard <laughs> questions here? Yeah, go for yeah. it. I, yeah, look, um, this is going back to what I just mentioned, writing about what's happening with you mm. or your world or the world. This song, it's, I sat, I remember the day that I started writing it. I sat down. I was just completely flat. I was really, really, well, it's not, morning is not the right word, but I was, I was lamenting this, this person who had been so constant and so supportive and uh, we got along like a house on fire and then, you know, it'd been a turmoil of uh, hard truths being said mm. and, uh, you know, some stakes. The stakes were high and it all just kind of came tumbling down and, mm. and I knew that as soon as I made that choice, it was very, very possible that that was the end. Mm. And, yep. you know, it's not a relationship. It's a relationship breakdown, but it's not an intimate relationship. Mm. But I'm the sort of person that if I care about someone, I go all in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's it's a detriment and it's just I'm just a sensitive person. And a lot of people are sensitive people, but they can put that, what's the word, they can put the the bar up, whereas yeah. I go too deep, too fast, and uh, it, I had, yeah, it's basically a choice between, it was a choice between my career or sustaining this, this relationship, mm -hmm. and it wasn't working, it wasn't working at all, and, you know, tried to talk about it, tried to offer some solutions, it didn't, yeah. didn't work out, uh, and so it's, um, yeah, it, it just shows how much love that, you know, I had for them. Uh, and I still do to this mm. day. And I, I don't know if they even know the songs about right. them, to be honest. Like, I don't know if they've listened to it. <laughs> they may have. And, and you know, if, they are, if they're listening to this podcast, because they were actually <laughs> very big fans of podcasts. You know, like, I still, I still love that person. Um, mm. I'd love to rekindle um, our, our friendship. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean... It it's a tricky one because um, I think a lot of creative people in general are very empathetic and they do experience other people's pain and battles and that's part of why uh, the artistic expression means so much to mm -hmm. other people. Um, but it's also often painted as a weakness um, and mm -hmm. I, I take issue with that. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't think it's an, uh, a weakness as such, but certainly trying to find your way w with uh, being so sensitive, feeling everything all the time mm. um, is a tricky thing to do. Um, my other life in community is um, a constant battle with that, um, having people in constant need. Mm. But if you close yourself to that, you can't understand the real issues that they are experiencing, you're experiencing with them, and you can't find uh, ways forward. Um, the same way that with songwriting, you're investigating something that lots of people are 
probably experiencing mm. and they need to know that someone else is experiencing that on their journey. That's really um, true and I've not really thought about it like that. Yeah, so I, I would just say um, you might feel like it was too much. You might feel <laughs> like, you know, it's too much, too fast, going too deep, um, but I'm sure that people are going to be listening to this single and finding resonance in their own lives, so well done. Thank so. you. I really like what you've said about your your role as well because you're a human being, you're not a robot, and I think <laughs> that they make the best leaders. In my opinion, well, anyway. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it can be hard for you yeah. too, though, I realise that. Yeah. Um, well, thanks so much for coming in, Bella. Um, like, I, I've been in awe of your talents since we first met and, um, you know, I listen to your music, watch you play guitar. I played piano patiently while I was filming videos um, and it's just a joy to see you going from strength to strength uh, with the, um, the new singles. Uh, I believe there's also a video clip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The video yeah. clip took a long time because yep. we wanted it to match the song mm. and the energy of the song. I uh, worked with a friend on that, um, Geelong filmmaker David Fromholtz. I, I I really appreciate what you're saying. I'm almost like I'm kind of a bit like shocked, honestly. <laughs> like thank you for your support and it's really kind. Uh that's kind of how I felt, you know, with David. I saw his progression in his in his skills with photography and what he was doing and we we knew each other from a young age but mm. and we were trying to work together a long time ago. It just didn't work out. Mm. So when I reached out to him to do the video clip, he was just like, yes, let's do it. Excellent. Just the positivity and nothing's too hard for him. Mm. He's happy to get over any, any technical issue. Uh, he's a great guy, so... If you think you want to do something, <laughs> you just got to find the right person to do it with you yep. and it will just work out. And you got to give and take, which is really hard, but the creative industry is so tricky and mm. uh, you find the right people and it's so much easier to navigate Oops. like yourself. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so were there anything, was there anything else you wanted to plug before we finish off today? So um, what's the best way for people to support you with music? Is it Bandcamp? Or? That's a great question. Yeah. I think uh, purchasing, yeah, directly from yep. things like Bandcamp uh, or buying or downloading the song are very helpful. But I do have some, uh, I have a friend that does leather work. Okay. Keep tuned for the vegan side of things. We're still investigating uh, that but basically we've made a stamp of the lighthouse that's in the video clip oh, fantastic. and it's going to be a little key tag and we've been trying to collaborate for a long time as well. So it's mm. finally, finally, we're nearly there and just about to launch it on the website. Oh, that's so a brilliant yeah, idea. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think anything that's, you know, not a mass produced product is so much better. Yeah. 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 So just my website, belladeer.com is where you can yep. go Terrific. to find that. Uh, so I'll try and put all of the links in the episode description. Um, anything else you wanted to plug right now? Or? I've got a couple of shows coming couple up. Shows, yep. So I'll be playing with the full band Vibes and Vino in Heathcote mm -hmm. on Saturday the 4th of November. Okay. And I will be going back to the beautiful Ragtime Tavern in Preston on the 11th of November. Is that the place that has the house piano? Yeah. Excellent. So, and yeah. I'm, I think it's still rotating. I'm not sure. Sometimes <laughs> it kind of gives me a headache, but it's actually fun. And, uh... Yeah, so that's coming up on the 11th and I'm playing that with Elizabeth Riordan. She's from Geelong. And 
the other one is down in Geelong as well at the Barwon Club on the 17th, Jackie Lumsden's EP launch. And yeah, I think that's it for the moment. Terrific. Um, well, we'll try and give all of those a plug. Um, you know, so thanks again, Bella, for coming in. Um, and we'll sign off as always. There is magic in the mystery of not quite knowing what you're doing. Thanks, everyone. Q Playback.